Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Action Network podcast. Today, this episode is centered around UFC, UFC 277, Pena v. Nunez, coming to you from the American Airlines Center in Dallas. Uh, this UFC betting preview, we have the typical uh, cast of characters, your host, Brendan Glasheen, former MMA fighter, Action Network MMA analyst, Billy Ward, and one of our great writers at Action Network, senior writer, Sean Zarillo. We will get to everything on this podcast. We start best bets. We will get there momentarily. Also, go to the uh, fight of the night that the guys have for us, the co-main event uh, that we'll also have uh, thoughts on underdogs props and also um again we have best bets at the end of the show but we start main event main event this week uh juliana pena and amanda nunez pena the favorite or pardon me the underdog at plus 225 beat nunez in december um terrific terrific fight great story pena no one gave her a shot and what do you know she was just fantastic in the uh, bantamweight title so we get the rematch nunez one of the all-time greats sean zarillo how do we handicap this fight, this main event, after seeing what we saw in December, if that even matters? The handicap isn't so much different from what it was the first time these two fought. I basically said to bet Nunez inside the distance, bet her early props, and then live bet Juliana Pena after round one, after round two. Because historically, especially fighting at 135 instead of 145, Nunez has shown cardio issues. She's good in the early rounds, then tires out. Even her fights against Valentina Shevchenko had her best success early. Generally speaking, she has her best success early in fights. She's more of that early finisher archetype who, when they don't get the early finish, when they get extended deeper in fights, tend to tire out and don't look as good. So I'm of two minds about betting this rematch because Nunez's money line dropped from minus 1,000 to minus 250. Compared to the first fight, the inside the distance odds dropped from minus 600 to minus 250. And even Amanda to win inside the distance dropped from minus 350 to minus 125. Her round one prop has also improved from plus 150 to plus 250, plus 300. So 
all of the market movement, all of the recency bias in the line is telling me to bet Nunez's finish props to better round one prop because that is the handicap. If she wins, it's probably going to be an early finish, probably a round one finish, or she's likely going to win inside the distance. That said, given how the fight played out, given how I project it, I have a hard time seeing Pena here lower than about 40%. This is still a woman's bantamweight, does not have nearly as high of a finishing rate as like a men's heavyweight fight. For instance, the finishing rate is going to be closer to 50% instead of 65%. So you would expect this fight to go later, if not to go to a decision. And based on how that would play out, all of it favors Juliana Pena. Pena should be winning minutes after this, after the first round, second round. She has a higher upside of finishing Nunez later in the fight than she has of getting finished. Almost all of Nunez's success should be front-loaded in this matchup, and then Pena should start to take over at some point. So I would expect either fighter to look particularly dominant while they're winning the fight. This is not a, a five-minute fight, not a one-round fight. It's a 25-minute fight, which certainly favors Juliana Pena. So Nunez... Perhaps the GOAT, I would give it to Valentina. That said, I don't think this is a good matchup for her. Pena durable enough to survive and then pour it on her late. So Juliana Pena on the money line at plus 225. I think you could justify this closer to plus 150. And then uh, Pena to win inside the distance at plus 450. I projected this around plus 345. I'm also going to look to target her live after round one, after round two, after round three. But if you're playing the other side, Nunez to win in round one, Nunez to win inside the distance. I think that's the alternative approach instead of laying minus 250 on her money line. Okay. And Billy, you've got a similar thought, that last thought from Zarillo going inside the distance on uh, Nunez. Yeah, that's how I'm playing it, at least initially. I think probably the sharpest way is Nunez inside the distance. If we get a better price on Pena after one or two rounds, hit that live. But I don't know. This is a tough one. I think we need to look a little bit past some of the usual ways we handicap stuff with this because um, Nunez at her best is just so much better of a fighter than we've ever seen out of Pena. But it's a reasonable question about whether she still is at her best. You know, she's pushing 35, I believe, coming into this one or just turned 34. But, you know, is it that she's declining or does she have a lot of weird stuff going on for, before the last one? That was the first time in over two years she had fought at 135 in the last one. She had also apparently had COVID somewhat close to that fight coming into it. So I think some of those cardio issues, while they'd been a longer standing problem for her, I think they were definitely exacerbated. And we truly did see her quit in that second round. You know, that rear naked she got caught in, it wasn't so much that it was a perfectly executed choke. It was, you know, Amanda Nunes had decided she didn't want to be there anymore. I'm playing it where I think just what we've seen from her historically is enough to convince me that that was more of a fluke than, than the new normal. And if that's the case, then just the value we're getting on her versus where her lines were before are so strong. So inside the distance at minus one twenty five, you know, Sean alluded to that, how much those lines have changed since last time. I just don't think we can take that much of a change away from the last fight, but yeah, I'm more than willing to, you know, I don't know if I would bet this one if I couldn't watch it and be watching the live lines because if she doesn't get her out of there after the first two rounds or so, you're probably going to get paying at a huge, huge price if she loses the first two rounds, and then you could hedge off of that live bet. On to the co-main flyweight title fight. We have Brandon Moreno and Kai Cara France. The uh, current lines right now, Cara France is at plus one, uh, plus 185. A dog and Moreno is up to minus 215. What's your approach here, Sean Zarillo? 
I'm going to look to live bet Moreno after the first few rounds, wait till Kai wins a round and then probably try to jump in live on Moreno. Maybe he gets up one, nothing. Maybe he ties it in the second round at one, one, maybe he even goes up to one, but I'm going to look to target Moreno live. If it's either tied or he falls behind and his price improves, he lost round one in the first fight, ported on in rounds two and three. Car France has never been in a five round fight before he's been in a lot of fights, but this is his first career five rounder would be his first time going to the championship rounds. Moreno generally landing more volume in his opponents. I think car France maybe has a power and speed advantage, particularly early in this fight. But Moreno has the durability advantage. He has the cardio advantage and he seems to wear damage a little bit better than car France does. The stamina and the experience edges for Moreno in the later rounds is what separates them for me. Otherwise, it's a flyweight fight where the margins are going to be very close. So it's tough to pick a winner. It is tough to assume that one of them is going to finish in one of the lower weight classes, though I think Cara France's win condition is more connected to a finish. This is a fight taking place in Texas, getting the Mexican fighter, going to have some home bias. There's another Mexican fighter on this card as well, Hoffa Garcia, who may get some home bias as well with the judges and the scoring in the crowd. So we'd certainly lean to Moreno, not only in any arena in terms of getting decision, but particularly in Texas. I think Moreno by decision is how it ends up going. I'm just going to hunt for a better live price after round one, round two, round three, depending on which one he drops or if he falls behind a Kai. Billy Comain is Moreno Cara France. How do you want to bet this? Yeah, I, I'm looking through at the notes I had down before this, and Sean touched on literally every single one of them. This is what I was going to say. I, I think the only thing I would disagree on is I would say he definitely has a speed and power advantage where Sean yeah. said he possibly has a speed and power advantage. But, you know, I'm getting nitpicky. But, yeah, I'm with Sean. I'm going to have a, a pre-fight bet on Car France inside the distance because plus 500 on that is just crazy. If we're saying he's a plus 180 underdog and we think he can't go three, four, five rounds – you know, those lines should be a lot closer to each other. But basically, I'm going to have my car France inside the distance heading into the fight. And I'm just going to be watching to see if we can get Moreno it close to even money or better than that. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm right there with Sean. I do really like the speed and power of car France. But beyond that, I don't know where his advantage lies. So, yeah, I'm trying to get plus money bets on both guys. And that way we win either way. Should mention Moreno is the grappling upside, too. He didn't try to grapple in their first fight but it seems like his takedown game wrestling game has gotten better. So should be relatively close as a striking fight, but you have to give all the grappling upside to Marina. To that so. point though, he car France did manage to keep it standing against Ascar Ascaron mm-hmm. the entire time his last fight. So I'm, I'm guessing this is, you know, probably 90 plus percent on the feet throughout the fight. So I don't disagree that he has the offensive advantage. I just don't think that comes into play here. Yeah. Probably a boxing match for 25 minutes. Moreno's takedown uh, accuracy too is just a sky high compared to one of uh, Cara France. And you guys have been doing this for a while together. So to have crossover on this podcast at this point is no longer a surprise. Anywho, moving on, let's go to our, uh, our favorite underdog plays because when you scan the car, there are always angles you can take to uh, get an edge on the market. Zarillo, you're one of the best at that. What do you have for us? Alex Perez at plus 170 projected him around plus 145. I also like his decision line at plus 350 projected that plus 380 actually and by decision for Perez projected that closer to plus 300. I think he's the better technician. 
He has the best or better wrestling and likely the cardio advantage too. I know cutting to 125 is tough for him, but Pantoja has slowed down in the later parts of his fights in the past. Pantoja is the better grappler in terms of submission grappling. He has more power, but less technical than Perez. I said Perez, the better wrestler. So I think he should be able to determine where this fight takes place. I would expect him to try to counter wrestle, keep it on the feet or to try to gain top position and sort of hold Pantoja down and tire him. He's taking two years off. It's a difficult weight cut for him. I think that's all priced into the line. Skill for skill. These guys are much closer to even. It should play out as a fairly even fight. I would expect Pantoja's success to be front-loaded. Should have most of his success in the first round. So again, another live betting spot. This is a great card for live betting. Alex Perez live after round one. I think his wrestling should eventually take over. Plus 170 on the money line. Definitely love that pre-fight. I'll look to take more live. Okay, Billy, favorite underdog for us this weekend? Yeah, I'm going with uh, Mike Mathitha or Blood Diamond or whatever they're calling him at whatever book you're looking at now because no, no one seems to be totally convinced what we're going with. But uh, he had a, you know, a lot of hype coming into the UFC. He's a city kickboxing pro, uh, pro, prospect, same gym as Kara France and Volkanovski and Adesanya. You know, obviously excellent kickboxing. That's where his background is. But he just got a terrible matchup in his UFC debut with Jeremiah Wells, who's like, probably one of the best welterweight grapplers, you know, from Henzo Gracie Philly, where they're all excellent grapplers and, and blood diamond looked bad. You know, Wells basically just chased him around while he ran away before he finally got the takedown and then made real short work of him on the ground. But I think he's probably came a long way since then, you know, city kickboxing has taken guys like God Asanya and turned them into MMA fighters when they were just kickboxers prior to that. And we're seeing about the same money line odds on blood diamond that we saw in his last fight. And I just think the matchup with Orion Koske is, significantly easier than against Jeremiah Wells. Not that Koske can't grapple or not that he won't have a huge advantage if it gets down there, but I don't think he's anywhere near Jeremiah Wells. I think Wells would be a huge favorite over Koske right now. So I, I think the hype on Blood Diamond kind of pays off a little bit more on this one. I think he really doesn't need a ton of time on the feet to get an advantage over Koske. And I'm just banking on City Kickboxing and the guys there turning him into more of a complete fighter. So plus 165, that's more than enough value for me. This is your UFC 277 betting preview. Brendan Glasheen, Billy Ward, Sean Zarillo taking you through the card. Uh, this is all taking place at American Airlines Center in Dallas. We move on to the guy's fight of the night. Derek Lewis is a slight dog at plus 125, opposing Sergey Pavlovich at minus 145. So this one's a, a little closer than the previous two that we've dived into at this stage of the show. Zarilla, what is the, the angle here on this fight? Yeah, there's two ways that this fight is going to play out. Either they swang and bang and somebody falls relatively quickly, yeah. or you have two guys who are bad minute winners with bad cardio. Nobody gets finished or they have a staring contest, and we see what happens over 15 minutes. So Derek Lewis, get another guy getting the beneficiary of home judging here, most likely if it is a staring contest, if it is low volume, Lewis is going to be the guy getting the cheers from the crowd, especially against the Russian, probably going to be getting the scorecard, not from the judges. Lewis undefeated on the scorecards in his career. Pavlovich generally gets early finishes. And if he doesn't, he has major question marks surrounding him. Also has major grappling holes too. I think Lewis has the grappling edge here. He's gone for trip takedowns in his recent fights. I wouldn't be surprised to see him trip Pavlovich, put him on bottom and land some ground and pound. Lewis at plus money with the grappling advantage. 
in a coin flip fight basically every time he's out there with his power and going against another guy who's a bad minute winner with bad cardio. I don't see how you don't bet Derek Lewis here around plus 120, plus 125. I would probably bet either guy in this matchup at that price because this is basically a true coin flip. But Lewis has some decision equity, certainly always has knockout equity considering he is the UFC's knockout king. So Derek Lewis around plus 120, plus 125, purely on pricing. I'm surprised this much steam has come in on Pavlovich. Yeah, it's a, he's minus 145. Again, that's his money line, uh, his money line right now. And Lewis at plus 125. What do you think, Billy? Yeah, I want to find all these people that are continuing to bet uh, Pavlovich at the odds that he's at right now. Because I don't I don't understand how you build a case for either of these guys being a heavy favorite or just, you know, betting against Derek Lewis when you have to lay a big price. Like, he can turn off anyone's lights. We've seen him do it. Sean mentioned the cardio thing. I think that's actually going to be considerably more for Lewis than – giving him credit. You know, I know we try to look at physiques a little bit and judge cardio and Derek Lewis doesn't strike you as a guy who's in tremendous shape when you look at him, but those guys actually tend to hold up a lot better than the big muscular, you know, Ivan Drago looking dudes that Derek Lewis tends to fight. Just all that muscle uses a lot of oxygen, uses a lot of energy. Lewis is pretty calm. He doesn't burn himself out. You know, he throws a couple big shots, takes a minute or two off, rinse and repeat. I actually like that strategy. I think if he gets hurt a little bit early, but manages to survive, then Derek Lewis live is going to be an awesome opportunity. But other than that, I'm with Sean. If I can get Derek Lewis at plus, I honestly can't think of anyone I wouldn't bet Derek Lewis at plus money against at this point. Excellent. All right. Let's go to uh, prop plays. Uh, again, we encourage all of you to shop the lines and shop around the books and, and get your best edges possible. Where are we looking in the prop market, Zerillo? Anthony Smith and Magaman Kaliyev fight to go to a decision at minus 125. I projected this line closer to 60% and minus 150. So I definitely think there's value in that minus 125 number. The easiest path to victory for Ankaliyev, who is a huge favorite here, is to wrestle. Smith historically does not have good takedown defense. He's a very good grappler, good at reversing position. Ankaliyev, very good top pressure, though. I don't really see him getting out from underneath Ankalaev, threatening him from guard, reversing positions. If Ankalaev decides to pursue the takedown, the only issue is Ankalaev rarely shoots takedowns at high volume, generally only one in each of his fights, did land two against Nikita Krylov. So I'm hoping Ankalaev sees the easiest path here, decides to wrestle, and we get a lot of grappling where they're chest to chest and not doing much for the duration of the fight. But even when it's on the feet, Ankalaev very measured, First, the counter has a really good check left hook. It's going to wait for Smith to initiate. But Smith is a bigger guy, been in a lot of fights, tons of experience, has proven himself to be very durable. So two guys who I think are on the more durable end of the light heavyweight scale, both should have enough to survive on the ground in the submission game. Expect some grappling, some cage push, some wrestling between these two where clock is going to get burned off. So do not see as high of a probability of a finish here in a light heavyweight fight as I typically would for the division. I think both of these guys are very measured. So if I had to go to a decision at minus 125, I don't think there's necessarily any argument against betting Smith by decision, either betting Smith on the money line at plus 400. Ankle Live tends to get into very low volume fights where he gives away minutes. So I think the underdog is actually live in this spot too. I'm just going to take the fight to go to a decision though. But Smith... Again, another American who may get the benefit of some hometown judging against the Russian fighters. So look out for Smith. Look out for Smith by decision. Definitely prefer the GTD, though. 
to take folks behind the curtain, Zerillo and Billy, they'll send over their picks uh, via email the night before. And then we compile and we come to this show and we deliver in the best way possible. But Billy, correct me if I'm wrong. You have an end round one. Yeah. I feel like it's been a while since you've ever done that. Where's where's your value there? Well, some just stood out at me. I was watching Ihor Potier, yes, which I'm probably butchering that name, but this is a tough one on both sides of the fight. I I was watching his DWCS bout, and I noticed something real interesting. You know, if you just look at the game log, it's a first round, it's a late first round stoppage. He knocked his opponent out, whatever. But if you actually go back and watch the fight, he came out super aggressively, almost put his opponent away, and then looked like he himself was about to get finished before a, a very fortunate for him groin shot happened and gave him two or three minutes to catch his breath. And then following that, he came out and finished the guy. So what that's telling me is he's going to come out extremely aggressively. He's either going to get a finish right away or gas out within the first round and get finished. And, you know, I think that's the thing that fighters, as they get more experience, tend to fix in their career. I don't think your first fight in front of the bright lights on a pay-per-view in the UFC is going to be the time that you take a more measured or more cautious approach. And he's fighting Nick Negumarano, who also has good finishing ability. You know, he's got wins by submissions. He's got win by knockout. I think if Negumarano can survive that opening, you know, flurry from him, he'll probably put him away as long as he doesn't, you know, poke him in the eye or kick him below the belt or something crazy like that. So I like a little bit of Potieria's uh, to win in round one, you can get that at plus 400 or so. But my preferred line on that is just that the fight ends in round one at plus 200. Okay, very good. Let's go to uh, the DFS landscape. Sometimes folks that uh, tune in, they not everyone gets an opportunity to, to bet on this stuff. So uh, giving a DFS breakdown is always good. So, Billy, I've got the contest up here, uh, the DraftKings contest. Where, uh, how are we constructing here? GPPs, cash games, similar approach. I mean, like I normally ask you, how would you go about building here? Yeah, this is a tricky one. You know, anytime we have the multiple five round fights, I think for cash games, I'm probably just gonna play all four fighters from those fights. It opens up a lot of salary and kind of do you have a lot more flexibility outside of that. But, you know, the minus 250 stoppage odds on Payne and Nunez is a little bit scary because there's a potential that, you know, we only get one good score out of the two of them. You know, we broke that down further about why we think that might be. I think you pretty much have to play Moreno and Car France. If we're expecting a boxing match, should be a ton of striking. Someone's going to get a good amount of points there. Even if France puts them away, I think Moreno probably scores some points before that point. So I can see the case for fading Pena or Nunez at her salary, you know, if you think that Pena's going to outlast her and win that one. And then outside of that, I really like Michael Morales. He's 9,500, but he's fighting a short-notice replacement, guy who doesn't look like he's – really anywhere near UFC level. And Morales looked really good in his debut. Then on the cheaper side, I like both Raphael's or Rafa and Raphael. You know, they're 7,200, 7,100 respectively for Alves and Garcia. I think both of them have some upside to win their fights, but the Garcia fight is plus 140 to end inside the distance. So, you know, he's probably a better cash game play just because he should be able to score some points against Close. And I like Rafael Alves to possibly upset Drew Dober. So those are the cheaper fighters I'm looking at. But it's a tricky one. You know, I don't think too many of the super expensive fighters are great plays. And Kalaev is the most expensive outside Morales. And Sean just laid out why that one's probably not going to be a huge back-and-forth barn burner. Then we've got Nunes, who has their issues. And then Close and Dober, who I'm not super interested in. So I'm going to have more balanced builds this time. And then, obviously, you got to play one of either Lewis or Pavlovich. Like, that one should be pretty clear. I think you just lock one of those guys into every or almost every lineup you build. Okay. Zarela, you got thoughts on this? 
Yeah, a lot of fighters at the cheaper end that I like this week. Juliana Pena at 7K. Hoffa Garcia, who Billy mentioned, I think is great for cash games. Should be in a close and competitive fight. Should be able to land takedowns of his own. I think he could put up a high score even in a loss. Kai Kara France at 7.3. Should have a lot of volume for a five-round fight. I talked about Perez at 7.5K. And then, as Billy mentioned, probably set a rule where you have either one of Lewis or Pavlovich in all lineups. But... Yeah, definitely going to be against Nunez probably for me in my lineups, going with Peña in a lot of them and use that salary elsewhere. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. So a chance to save uh, in the DraftKings or whatever contest you play in the uh, Daily Fantasy contest. So there you go. All right, before we go, as we always do, we wrap up this UFC 277 betting preview with best bets. Sean Zarillo, you can go first, then we'll go to Billy. Dante Mays minus 180 on the money line and projected him closer to 70% minus 233 facing a debutante and Hamd- Hamdi Abdelwahab. Uh, this guy is an Egyptian wrestler, very limited MMA experience, just five fights. He's a Greco-Roman wrestler, so not a freestyle guy. Generally prefer freestyle wrestlers for MMA, more of those double leg takedowns. Those upper body takedowns are just not quite as effective in MMA, if you could fight for underhooks, if Mays has the takedown defense to keep the fight on the feet, he's probably going to finish. He's got four inches of height, nine inches of reach, should be doing more damage, even if Hamdi is wrestling him. So based on the scoring criteria, I think Hamdi's upside is pretty limited just because he doesn't do a ton of damage aside from trying to wrestle his opponents. Better striking, cardio, level of competition, much more MMA experience, all pointing in Mays' favor. I know he's a big favorite. I know he's not the most talented guy, but he's shown some improvements in his recent fights, and he's taking a major step down in competition here. So Mays' money line, Mays inside the distance at plus 150, probably both bets for me. Okay, Billy, take us home. Yeah, to Sean's point, not only does Abdul Wahab only have five professional fights, they've all been within the last, like, nine months or so, and two of them were bare-knuckle fights that were, like, in Jorge Masvidal's backyard or something. I don't know if that's where they really do the game-bred bare-knuckle fights, but... So not only is it, you know, only five fights, but even that is somewhat generous based on what we've Against guys with, like, zero and zero records, too. Like, it's against nobody. Yeah, he's not, you know, 5-0 and in LFA or some, like, semi-major promotion. But anyway, so... I don't know if this is actually my best bet. I think we covered some that I like a little bit more in other sections, but I'm looking at Jocelyn Edwards at minus 120. She's fighting G-Un Kim, you know, fairly low-level WMMA fight as we talk about. And while I normally want to be holding the plus money ticket in these situations, I, I think it's worth laying the minus 120 on Edwards. You know, Kim has lost three in a row. She had one knockout prior to that, but pretty much just losing decisions, getting outpointed. And she also had been fighting 125 before this. So she had missed weight a couple bouts at 125, but she was a 125er primarily. Edwards fought 145 in her last fight, and they're meeting here at 135. So, you know, Edwards is more of a 135er, so I don't think she's necessarily two weight classes bigger than Kim, but I think she's going to be bigger. I think she's going to have a little bit of power advantage, which makes those optics play out pretty nicely, you know, for the judges, especially with damage being the first criteria. Minus 120 is a pretty good price on that. Like, weight classes exist in combat sports for a reason because it's it's an advantage when things are close to be the bigger, stronger person, and I think that's Edwards here. Excellent stuff, guys. As always, your UFC 277 betting preview. You got to go to ABC and ESPN for the prelims, and then the, the, the main card is on pay-per-view. Uh, all of the action taking place at American Airlines Center in Dallas. 
We come to you every Friday uh, during the the UFC season, so we will join you again next week. Uh, By the way, coming up uh, on the Action Network podcast next Monday, Expert's Guide to Betting the NFL with Stucky. Be on the lookout for that. That is coming soon to the Action Network podcast. This concludes our UFC betting preview for this week. For Billy Ward, Sean Zarillo, Brendan Glasheen, good luck, everybody, and we will catch you next time.